The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Tell me uh, about this truck rod. Like so, uh, when you say <laughs> when you say truck rod, I think I know exactly what you mean. But I want to make sure I'm not out in left field. What do you mean by that? Is it maybe not your best rod, but it's one that beats it, around in the back of the truck? It, it's the rod. You know, you just you get the reel on the whole year, and you don't really you just yeah. break it in two. Yeah. And you stick it behind the seat, and you don't <laughs> worry if it gets banged or anything like that. And, uh, yeah. it, it's, and it, the, the surprising thing, it's that rod that never, you know, it never breaks. It, the tip never breaks on it. Um, yeah. It's been going on for a few years now, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, uh, yeah. it's cheap, and, and it works. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Well, thanks for joining us this time around for another edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Appreciate that. And we're going to head out to a beautiful part of the world, Hinton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, we're going to talk tying, fly fishing. We've got Frank Brassard on the line, FB Fly Tying. Uh, now, Frank is, uh, well, he ties up some pretty mean-looking patterns, and I was checking them out today, going through his kind of portfolio, his catalog of flies on uh, Instagram. is always a good place for that. Um, checking out at uh, FB Fly Tying. Now, Frank's got, uh, he's he's uh, Golf Pro Team, A-Rex Pro Team, Tech Stream Pro Team, uh, Gas Bay Fly Company Pro Staff, and Chinook Wind Outfitters Pro Staff. It sounds like you're, you're a busy guy. Frank, thanks for, for coming on the podcast. Hey Mark, I'm glad to be here, man. So let's um, let's talk about how this all started for you. Um, we were just chatting prior to kind of hopping on this call, and uh, I'm looking at your patterns, going, "This guy's been doing this his whole life." Maybe not. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm pretty new at fly tying. Actually, I've uh, it's something I picked up recently. I said three years ago. Um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. That actually boggles my mind because yeah. I've been doing it like I don't even want to admit probably 40 years and uh, I need some lessons. I was yeah. like, wow, that's uh, so are you is that are you like that with everything just when you hop into it? Is it like all all in kind of mentality for you? I go all in. I go all in until I, I kind of plateau and then I usually move something else. But I feel like you know, fly tying and fly fishing is something that'll just, there's so much to learn and then so far to go with that. I feel like I'm going to be doing it for, yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Fair comment. Well, let's, let's talk about the fly fishing end of things. So, um, how long have you been fly fishing? Did you, did you find tying before fly fishing or is that something you kind of came to later? Um, unlike a lot of your guests, Mark, I haven't uh, been fly fishing for a while I, I i you know like most people that live around here i've fished uh well i grew up in northern ontario so i was fishing for uh, pike and walleye and, right uh, you know casting some worms out there and and i kind of moved to out west uh, in my 20s and, and kind of moved away from all that and took up mountain biking and skiing and rock climbing and, mm. and those kind of things and then um and then i moved to hinton and uh met a guy here that was heavy into uh, fly fishing. Um, he was also a really good ice climber, and, and he took me out to ice climbing for a while, and eventually he got hurt, and the only thing left was fly fishing. So, um, yeah, about eight years ago, I picked up, uh, I bought my first rod and my first reel, and 
Hmm. And uh, yeah, I got going in our streams here, and that's, I guess that's how it all started. If you had to look back and name some influences, sounds like your buddy there would be one, but name some names. Who, who have you learned from so far? Who's kind of been instrumental in lo- the learning curve for you? So for fly fishing, my buddy Aaron's definitely the guy who, uh, who, who taught me to rope for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm in that, uh, that category there who learned a lot from, uh, from social media and YouTube and, and Instagram, obviously. And, um, that's where I've learned most of, especially in the fly tying part of things, that's where I've learned most of, uh, most Hmm. of the tricks of the trades for sure. Cool. All right. Well, I, I get the feeling we can talk a lot of time tonight. I always, I always, I love talking time. Um, Great. But before we do, I, I want to get to know your day-to-day uh, in and around Hinton. Now, I know you got a day job as a forester with Wes Fraser, so I assume you're out in the bush a lot, um, probably uh, always scouting out some new streams or still water. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about tunes. If you're out and about either working or on your way to your favorite stretch of water, what kind of music are you listening to in the truck? I'm a big podcast and audiobook fan. I, I listen to spoken words all the time. It's either yeah, a podcast or hmm. got that you know I got a pod, or a audiobook subscription and I yeah I listen to a lot of audiobooks. <laughs> what are what are your go to podcasts? Just uh, name name a few names. Like what do you like to listen to? Uh, lots of news. Um, yep. I like to stay current on what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have four or five fly fishing, fly tying podcast on there. Yep. Um, stuff like Reply All, um, some general kind of learning uh, information kind of podcast, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of different podcasts. I, it depends what kind of mood I'm in, you know what I mean? It's just like, what do I want to learn about today? Or what's, uh, you can kind of go down rabbit holes, can't you, when you start searching things? Definitely. I know I search guests a lot. So if I if there's somebody that really interests me, especially in say the fly fishing genre, whether it's a Brian Chan or it's a Phil Rowley or it's a, whoever, um, I'll do that. And you'll you'll see that you know a lot of those people have been on many many different shows, so you can kind of follow follow that train around. I kind of like doing that. Rather sometimes I do that more than following specific shows, if that makes sense. Mm. Yep. But, you get lost in it. Um, what about fly patterns? So, I mean, you're the perfect person to ask this. You you obviously um, tie all types of patterns and some real good looking ones. Um, what's a go to fly pattern for you? Like, what would be the one if you could pick one? So, for fishing, you mean, or, does, or for, yeah, for not for tying. Sorry, I should clarify for fishing. So, if you're and I assume you're fishing a lot of moving water. Um, What's a go-to? Is it a dry? Is it a nymph? And, and kind of get specific. What are you reaching for? Yeah, I, I, I fish mostly mostly streams. Around here, it's mostly streams. There's a few small lakes, but uh, I'm right tucked against the mountains, so everything is headwaters and, and, and yeah, mostly mm. streams. So um, I do tie a lot of patterns, and I try to you know go through different styles, but I really only have a handful of <laughs> patterns that I actually fish with. Um you know, it, it depends on which species I'm going for, but uh, in general, if I'm going for, you know, grayling, it's going to be a kind of a pink bead, hair's ears kind of, uh, hair's mask kind of mm-hmm. nymph. Um, and if I'm going for uh, for rainbows, um, it's going to be a stonefly-ish, um, you know, rubber legs. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big fan. If I have one fly to choose from, it will be an elk hair caddis. I think around yeah. here anywhere, anyways, if Whatever I'm fishing for, um, the elk hair caddis can, can probably get it. Is there any pattern that's in your box that you don't like tying? Like, do you just like tying everything or do you go, oh man, I got to trim deer hair. Oh man, I got to, I got to, whatever. Is there, is there anything that you kind of like, what don't you love tying? So, so with flies that I fish with, I, I, early season, I use a Prince nymph quite a bit and I, Mm-hmm. it's just a tough fly to, to tie. Like there's so many little pieces that just yeah. have to go right to, to fit on there on the hook. It's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that hook. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the yeah, Prince Smith is definitely a challenging one. Where where do you like talking fly fishing and tying? So is, is there a, um, I mean, is there a fly shop in Hinton or is there one nearby that you like to frequent or is the, is it social media for you, Frank? Where do you get your fix when you're not in your waders? There's definitely a fly shop in Hinton, and then you know try to support it as much as I can. And 
but but when I need to talk fly fishing, it's usually online. It's uh, it's the Instagram community. It's uh, yeah. It's the you know TechStream has a uh, we have a like a WhatsApp group that's very very active and, and there's there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, yeah, hmm. not very hard to get my fix for sure. Yeah, for sure. Social media is so good for that. Um, how big of a town is Hinton? Just out of curiosity, what, what would be the population? Roughly. Uh, Hinton is about 10,000 okay. people. Yeah, well, that's, that's decent. It's it's actually a lot bigger than I thought it was. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool you got a fly shop, but I guess you're in that neck of the woods. Um, fill in the blank for me. When you're not fly fishing, what, what are you usually up to? Well, I, I have... Uh two very young kids so that keeps uh that keeps filling up my, my yeah. spare time yeah um but uh yeah other than, than you know my boys and and the work uh we do a lot of activities on a weekend we ski every weekend in the summer we mountain bike yeah uh, we try to stay active yeah lots of outdoors activity what do you think it is you love so much about fly fishing and fly tying like in particular what, what does it do for you um, well, fly fishing, uh, yeah, fly fishing, it, it's, it's, for me, it's not really about catching fish. It's not about, you know, I, I love catching fish. You know, it's kind of the cherry on the Sunday, but it's, uh, what I'm really looking after is, is getting to these really remote, really hard to get to spots. Uh, it's more of how I get there and, and how I catch the fish than actually catching fish. Definitely mm. quality over quantity. Um, and in this area in particular, there's um, the, the, the access can be quite challenging. Like there's a lot of resource roads around, but uh, mm-hmm. you tend to stay away from water courses. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got into stuff like pack rafting and, and, um, and smaller kind of personal watercraft uh, and yeah, just floating down rivers and getting to those areas like the canyons and the, those spots where nobody sees. So it's really about the adventure, really. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're into climbing, you're into kind of just hiking, you're into getting outdoors, I, I, I could see that. And I was watching some of your YouTube videos earlier today, and I was amazed at how much, uh, in this one particular one, you're on a small kind of stream that had some nice little holes and uh, some wood. But it, it looked like, man, the water was so low. It reminded me of rivers that I fish where the water, you basically cannot float it. You got to pick it up and pack it out and then you jump in again. <laughs> it's, is that a lot of the water you're fishing? Kind of pick it up and go. Yeah. As soon as, you know, as soon as runoff is done, it's, uh, you get 18 to 24 inches of water. But I found this, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. A lot of people have it around Smithers and Terrace where you, it's like, um, it's called a kick boat. It's got no floor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a pontoon boat, but it's a full tube that goes all the way around. Yep. Um, so I don't know, last year or two years ago, I got one of those from, uh, from a shop on the Island and okay. it totally changed my life. <laughs> it's like, I get, uh, it, it can go in about seven inches, six inches of water. Wow. It's got so much flotation. It just, yeah, it just really gets you from one hole to the other. Can you throw a brand at me? Are we talking like Watermaster type, type craft? It's, it's a, it's pretty much exactly like Watermaster when I look at the specs, but it's uh, it's a fly shop in on the island it's called Niles Creek. Yep. Um, yep. And they, uh, yeah, the, the owner there, Courtney, is is just gold. It, it, yeah, he set me up with one of those boats, and you know, it's got oars. It's exactly like a like a Watermaster. Nice. Yeah, those yeah. are uh, those are sweet crafts and so versatile, right? Whether you're on the still or uh, you know, those, uh, the shallow, shallow waters, that's where I struggle. Cause I, I got to admit, Frank, I get jealous when I see some of these folks fishing some of the rivers in Montana that they're, you know, they're in the drift boats and it just looks like it's no problem. You got plenty of flow, but, uh, it's feast or famine in some of these, uh, creeks and streams and rivers, definitely in Alberta, BC, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. And, and the good thing about that boat is that it has no bottom. So if you, you know, if you, do bottom out you get into four inches of water or something you just stand up and yep. just grab the handles on each side and walk it for whatever a few meters and yeah you get to go good stuff mm. um what's the best job you've ever had are you are you doing it now with uh you know being a forester or uh, tell us about your career a little bit 
definitely the job I have is, is, you know, it's a pretty good job. I'm out there and like you say, I'm scouting water all the time. And if I'm by a stream at lunchtime, I definitely stop, and pick up my, my truck rod and, <laughs> and, and get a few casts in. But uh, I got, I got the chance to, to be a tree planter for many years, um, right. you know, in my early twenties. And that was definitely, you know, that definitely changed my life and gave me, direction of uh as to where it's going go, to go with uh with everything else that happened afterwards so uh, you meet great people out there and, and you're outside and you learn about yourself and how to push the limits and what you're made of and yeah mm-hmm. it's, that was definitely the greatest job i've had tell me uh about this truck rod like so uh when you say <laughs> when you say truck rod i think i know exactly what you mean but i want to make sure i'm not out in left field what do you mean by that is it maybe not your best rod but it's one that beats it, around in the back of the truck it, it's the rod you know you just you get the reel on the whole year and you don't really you just yeah. break it in two yeah. and then you stick it behind the seat and you don't <laughs> worry if it gets banged or anything like that and uh yeah. it, it's and it, the, the surprising thing it's that rod that never you know it never breaks it, the tip never breaks on it um yeah. yeah it's been going on for a few years now and there's nothing wrong with it it's uh yeah. it was cheap and, and it works what do you like fishing for like are you fishing for mainly cutties or what, what species of trout mm-hmm. and or bull trout or and or char like what are you what are you chasing it, it it has it you know i have a really short fly fishing career but it has definitely evolved since uh since i started i mean i, I used to fish a lot for uh for rainbows and and then moved to grayling mm-hmm. and for the last couple of years um i've i've been really going after harder fit like i've been going up to bull trout and and we only have one stream that holds cutthroat here and really hard access and i've been going for those uh, those kind of species where, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have, uh, you don't catch 20 a day. You'll catch one, uh, maybe two, but, uh, yeah. do you really count. Uh. I love it. So, um, have you had a busy season? Uh, I mean, we're just, uh, we're doing this in end of March, 2022. Um, have you had a, a good season of tying on your belt? It looks like you've been producing a few things mm-hmm. off the, uh, the bench lately. Yeah, I've had, it's been a really good winter. I feel this year, uh, I don't know, I tried try to, to diversify and, and try new patterns and new techniques. And I feel like this year it's really clicked. It's, uh, I feel really comfortable with, uh, with you know, I've, I've big streamers to tiny little nymphs. It's, um, mm. yeah, it's been good. What, pretty what, happy. As somebody that's, the way you're saying that, you know, when all of a sudden you're tying, it all starts coming together what would you tell somebody that's trying to improve their tying? Because there are people that tie their whole lives and they, we may or may not get that much better. And and then I, all of a sudden I see some of these people that are really at it, really avid. And it's like those patterns, you can just see them getting better by the week. What's, what's a trick of the trade that you would say to help somebody's tying as far as getting better? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like... If you always, it's like anything else. If you always do the same thing, like if you, you know, a lot of people tie for to fill up their box, mm-hmm. and they'll either be, you know, targeting the same species, or, or they'll be still water, or, or on the rivers, um, and they'll be, you know, the same dozen flies, dozen pattern that goes in their box, um, and that, that's fine. You get really good at tying twelve different flies, but I, uh, I've. I've been tying just to tie, just to just for the fun of it, just for the art of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, I've tied salmon flies that I've that I, that I haven't fished yet. You know, you know, I tie I tie dozens of different patterns of steelhead flies, and I go steelhead once a year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I try to diversify a lot, and you learn so many new techniques by tying big pike flies compared to you know tying nymphs all the time, and, and or dry flies. Yeah. Well, we recently did something, um, on the show and it was basically like a, uh, a March mania fly bracket. And what it did for me, Frank, is like, I'm, I'm in still water. So we're fishing a lot of chronomers, a lot of nymphs, some dries, you know, your standard caddis, caddis patterns, whatnot. 
But um, when I started, uh, we, we had a list of basically the top 64 flies, or, or what we believe to be the most commonly used flies in, let's say, Western North America. And I, I'm looking at these things going, okay, out of the 64 patterns, I probably really only fished 10 of them. So you know what I mean? The, there's 54 flies here that I'm going to be tying that I've never tied before. And I just couldn't believe how how much I learned just, you know, I just put a video of up somebody like yourself, just tying up a pattern, a specific pattern. And I agree with you. I think we, we, we get stuck on filling our boxes and I don't think that always helps our tying, if that makes sense. Mm. But I, I really like that segment, by the way, like that, that whole, uh, Oh, thanks. Putting flies versus flies. That was actually really good. Well, that wasn't my idea. That was uh, that was Karmic Outdoors. That was Robert Gillingham's idea, and I thought it was a great idea. Um, it's something we hope to do every year and uh, kind of dial it in a little bit more. I'd hope to do a few more shows in between for, for whatever reason things got busy, but we've got some nice prizes, and we're going to be giving those away. Uh, well, pretty, pretty darn quick here, but yeah, thanks. I, I thought it was kind of fun too. And it's fun seeing, you know, when you put, you'd be putting like two patterns together or against each other that are just basically so well known. It's like, well, how do you pick one? Right? Like really, um, there's no right answer, but, uh, yeah, no, it's cool. So talk to me, Frank, about, about your setup. We, we've got Frank Broussard on, on the line tonight from FB Fly Tying. Uh, now Frank is out of Hinton, Alberta. Uh, he is uh, Golf Pro Team, A-Rex Pro Team, Techstream, uh, Gas Bay Fly Company Pro Staff, and Chinook Wind Outfitters. So uh, it tells me you're using lots of different materials, lots of different brands. But let's start with the, the main tool, your, your tying vise. What, what do you like to use, Frank? Uh, I, I had the Traveler, um, and then I dropped a whole bunch of uh, crazy glue in it, and it stopped rotating. So okay. that was the end of it. Uh, really like that vice, but I uh, I bought a Stonfo Stonfo Elite, mm-hmm. uh, and it holds a hook really nicely. So that's been of all the vices you've had to date, that's the go-to. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah. it's the second vice I've ever had, but it's, yeah. uh, like I said, it it does the job. It holds, looks pretty. It holds a hook really nicely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very smooth, yeah. Now, now, talk to me about um, some of the products that you're using that obviously you're sponsored by, so you're going to get some use out of these. But what about golf? What is it about the golf products that you like? So I've tried a few resins um, when I first started, and, and some some resins they put out, you know, you'll you'll throw the torch on there and you'll see all this, vapor coming out and i'm not sure what that vapor mm. is but i've yeah i was talking to deb pascal there for a while and she was telling me these horror stories about um, yeah. some of these resin that just you know it, it uh it really affected her like her skin mm-hmm. um, so i stayed away from that did a little bit more research and it comes out that golf is like their their manufacturing side of things is very environmentally friendly the way they produce these resins and uh and, and there's no odor, there's no, mm. you know, when you light them up, it, they don't smoke out. Um, and the, uh, the pigmentation in it, like the different colors they have, and they, some of them have sparkles in them, and, but, mm. uh, but they have really natural tones too, and it's just, it, they're really, really nice. Uh, how do you it's f- a really, really nice product. How do you find they set up nice and firm? Like, I, that's the one thing... I have used some products, and I know sometimes it can be the, a combination of the light and or the UV that you happen to be using, but mm-hmm. um, is, is there a go-to light for you? And, and, and tell me how, how you find the uh, the golf product sets up. So when when I join golf, they send me their whole, you know, the whole shebang there, all of the resins, all of the colors. Right. And they send me the torch that goes with it. And there's uh, what I've learned afterwards is that there's a certain wavelength that each one of these resins will react to. Hmm. Um, the one for golf is 365 is, is the wavelength for it. And that's what the torch is or the flashlight there is uh, set up for. Okay. Um, probably loons and, um, and bone dry and all that will have their own different wavelength. And then maybe that affects it. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I think too, when a lot of people don't necessarily buy the, 
the UV light at the same time they buy the resin. So they may or may not get the right light for the right brand, right? And you would realize that really quickly. If you if yeah. you zap your your resin and you leave it on there for like you know 10 15 seconds Mm -hmm. and when you're done and you touch it and it's still tacky yeah it's not cured properly and you're you don't have the right uh the right light for it yeah i've been there i the first light i had did not i found it was cloudy and it didn't really harden and i was like what am i doing wrong and then i got a, a different light and it seemed to be more intense like the uv just seemed stronger and I, I i don't know how else to verbalize it but it definitely made a big difference mm-hmm. hmm. i like what you're saying about the the vapor and kind of how because i know that's been a big topic on some of the social media because there's some people that are d- definitely allergic to some of this stuff so be careful with what you're using and make sure that you know if 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 you have a reaction get rid of it because it's uh i i there i had one and i can't even remember the brand to be quite honest they stopped using it it was this is back in the early uv days it wasn't uh it was quite a while ago but it was a very thick product very viscous and it just it 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 really had a vapor to it um i use loon and i you know i have no problems with it but um people get really really i have not tried the golf product i want to try it for sure but, and this is why I love having these conversations because there's so many different tools and tricks that you guys, uh, that tie a lot know. Um, what about TechStream? I know that this is a product that I keep hearing about. I have not yet tried it, but talk to me about the TechStream. Uh, like what, yeah. what is it you like about their thread? Mark, you have to get on the TechStream train. <laughs> I, well, yeah, that's why I'm talking to you, man. Let's figure this out. What am I, what am I missing out on? So TechStream is, so to start at the beginning there, I got one time I ordered from Chinook and a mm-hmm. few over there sent me this one spool of, it was like six aught, uh, like this is their standard thread. And I was like, okay. And I have, I have, I don't know, almost have 200 spools of black and white on my rack. Right. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And I spooled it on and tried on. And it was actually really good. And that's just their standard thread. And, I, you know, it, it had good texture. It was just the right texture for dubbing. Um, and it was really, really strong for, for just a regular, um, you know, nylon thread. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I contacted TechStream and I said, yeah, I, I, you know, I really like your, your thread and started having discussion with them. And next thing you know, you know they, they looked at my flies and invited me on the team. And then I get this whole box uh, a few weeks later of, of their whole gamut there of all the threads that they produce, yes. um, chenille, uh, flashaboo, everything, like their whole, their whole lineup. Hmm. And I've been so impressed with it. Um, they're uh i've i've completely changed all the, the thread that i'm using is now 100 percent uh power thread which is a gsp kind of uh yep. um, thread um, and i use it for absolutely everything i i don't use any colors um i just use markers and it's 100 percent gsp for, for oh, anything I, you I, you just said something i want to explore because that's something i do a lot and i know i can do better um in other words, I may or may not have the right markers. Is there a certain, like, do you just buy the the gauntlet of, of Jiffy markers, or what are you using for markers, out of curiosity? I have, um, they're like an alcohol-based, they're from Amazon. Like, they're not expensive. I know people use Colpic markers, um, but this is the, the same the same thing. It's uh, it's an alcohol-based marker. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't bleed. Um when you expose it to water, um, it's just that the pigment is carried on, on an alcohol base. And then, and then when you touch the tip of that marker to GSP, GSP just, it's, it's, I don't know how it does it, but it just sucks, um, yeah. the, the color right out of the marker and then just bleeds all over the thread. Like it covers the whole thread all the way around. Um, it's really, really nice. I do. So is that GSP? Is that is that the is that the uh, the tougher stuff? Is that a TechStream product? Oh, I mean, a lot of people produce it. Um, okay. It's, uh, yeah, it's GSP. It's called the gel spun polypropylene. Uh, right. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I never knew what it stood for. Huh. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's the same thing as nano silk. And yeah, uh, yeah, I have some of that. 
I, but I also have some thread that says GSP, so I don't I actually don't even know what brand that is. I was just curious. It might be. It might be. Um, actually, I think, I think Uni produces it. And, oh, okay. Yeah. There's a few. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, how important is is the thread on what you're doing? I, I find it interesting when you say you're using that white GSP for pretty much everything. Does that lay nice and flat? It does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The nice thing about GSP is is it's the strength ratio to the, to its size is, is incredible. Like you can get a 25 denier thread, which is pretty much invisible. When you start spinning it on, on the, on the hook, especially the white, if you barely see it, there's no bulk. Um, and it, it's incredibly strong. It'll be, you know, like a, it's hard to describe. Like you can really pull on it, like to the point where, it, it if you pull too much, it cuts right through the material that that you lay down the thread. Uh, right. We'll cut through a feather. We'll cut through uh, to deer hair. Huh. Um, so you really got to be careful about it. But there's right. a, sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Charlie Craven has an article. Um, I think it's in Fly Fisher, and he really describes. He goes through all the types of thread, um, and describes how they're manufactured and and what what they look like in a close up, like how. The, the, the fibers are oriented into it and how um, how they're weaved into each other and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the application for each one of them. And um, I thought that was a, a really good place to start to understand thread because it's such an important part of, of, uh, of fly tying. It's, it's right. the hook and then it's the thread. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people just buy whatever. And honestly, I'm still, I'm still kind of... I got in my hand right now some GSP... Okay, this is UTC. I haven't even used it yet, but it's a 50. Now, for instance, what, what, you say you're using one a lot of the time. Now, I'm sure it depends on the size of the flies you're tying, but is there a go-to for you, Frank, as far as is it 70 or 50? Or... Um, you no, know, it depends. So if I, if I tie small stuff and I don't really have to crank onto it, I'll use 25 denier. Okay. Um, it's really, really small, like I said, really thin, no bulk. Um, and then when I get into just regular nymph pattern, um, and, and you start to layer a lot of stuff onto the hook, mm-hmm. um, I'll use 50 okay. and then, uh, and then on bigger streamer pattern, we have to spin some deer hair and, and the kind of stuff I use a hundred uh, denier. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, that's really valuable for me. Cause I, um, like I, I gotta admit, I'm a UTC guy that that's just what I've been using for a long time, but, um, I like it because it lays flat, but there's things I don't like about it. I don't like that it's not as strong as 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 some of these other threads. And I know when you're when you're uh, you're pulling down on deer, you're spinning deer hair. Uh, you probably want to use the right tool for the job. And 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 I realized that some of these you know these GSP threads or uh, or nano silk are a lot uh, a lot more durable and and hard to cut. Hey, with the scissors. Oh, it's almost it's it, it just starts fraying. I have really good scissors, and no matter. <laughs> You know, you just keep chewing at it. It doesn't cut; it just chews at it. You really have to use a razor blade or an exacting knife or something like yeah. that to cut it. Is that yeah. what you do when you? So once you do, let's say you do however many. Okay, so let, let's. You're finishing a fly in your vise on your stone foe. Um, how many times you whip finish, and describe how you cut it. So if I it depends on the fly, but if I if I'm going to put some resin on the um, on top of of, uh, of my whip finish, mm-hmm. I usually go three whip. Like I'll just whip my hand whip around three times. Okay. Um, and if uh, if if it's just going to stay bare, then I'll go five whip with the, uh, the whip finishing tool. Okay. And then when you say resin, is that you're using like the uh, the golf UV uh, resin, or using a different type of resin? Yeah, I'm just using their thin men. It's like really, really thin, and it's uh, hmm. you put one drop, and it wraps around. It's uh, okay. Yeah. Do you do you at all use any heavier resins when you're trying to build bulk? I use heavier resin on. So if I I like to tie a lot of streamers for bull trout, mm-hmm. um, and I'll cover the head with uh, with with a thicker resin. Whether it's they have one that's called Flexman. Um, so you just cover the head with that, and it actually flexes without cracking or breaking. It's got that kind of uh, flexibility in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I like it. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I have used resins, some of the ones that I have, they are kind of brittle. 
You know what I mean? They don't have a lot of give. And if you hit them wrong, they can actually fall off. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. You kind of put it on maybe a little thick and you knock it with something. It's like, oh, crap, there goes the, <laughs> the body of that head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the A-Rex. So I know A-Rex product, uh, they're making some good hooks. I know that they're... Um, I've had a, quite a few people on this show say how much they like them. Again, it's another product I haven't used. Um, talk to me about their hooks. Um, well, they have a lot of hooks yeah. to start with. There's, they have a lot of models. Um, it's, a, it's a European company. They do a lot of salt hooks uh, that are you know, coated to, uh, to, to resist um, rusting. Mm-hmm. I use mostly freshwater hooks. Um, they're nymph hooks. They're dry fly hooks. They also produce a hook that's really appealing to me. It's got the, it's specifically designed to uh, to tie on drunken disorderly type flies, where you need a tool, like when you need a, the head to bend down a little bit to point mm. down, so that it you know when you strip it, the fly just uh, pushes down and sinks. Right. Um, so I yeah I. Uh, yeah, it's a, they're just great hooks. They they have depending on the on the style too. You either have the hook that's flat, yeah, um, or you have the hook that's you know round shanked all the way around. Are most of them black, or are they all different colors? Because the ones that I te- seem to keep seeing are are, are black. They, they, so their freshwater hooks are mostly black, and they have uh, some of their uh, saltwater hooks that are silver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Gas Bay Fly Company. Talk to me about the Gas Bay Fly Company. And I, I, the reason I like doing this is that these are obviously companies that you're sponsored by, but the, I, I find that if somebody sits at the vice this much and takes it so serious, you're not gonna, you're not gonna use a product or a company's, you know, supplies that you're not comfortable with. So, um, w- what exactly are you using from Gas Bay? So Gas Bay is a, it's a Canadian company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a distributor mainly for different uh, like Montana Fly Company, for ARX, for uh, okay. Shadow Eyes. But they also produce their own line of, uh, of fur and hair and uh, feathers. Um, so they produce harder to find uh, type hair like polar bear and black bear and uh, heron. Um, hmm. Their dying job is just bang on. Like there, there's no... You know, there's no variation. If you buy, you know, dyed hair and from them, um, you can buy dyed hair and three months later and it will look exactly like the first one you buy. So you know what you're getting. Right. You put in order with them. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. Very consistent. So we've had your friend Sue from uh, Chinook Wind Outfitters and I really enjoyed chatting with her and they're doing some pretty good things. I believe they're in northern BC. Um, how long have you been with the team at uh, Chinook Wind? Um, Sue called me right off the bat. It was, uh, about a year into, into tying and, mm-hmm. uh, she made me an offer to join, to join the team and jumped on it right away. Nice. Um, I bought a lot of stuff from Sue. I think she's got a great shop up there. She has, uh, harder to find, uh, material. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't, uh, supply, um, the hairline line um it's not that's not the kind of stuff you get um when you shop over there it's all um hard to find products uh, mm-hmm. materials and, and imported and uh yeah, yeah high high quality stuff for sure yeah good stuff something i actually really wanted to ask you because i love the presentation you have on on your instagram as far as the way you take the pictures the way you have your signature it's just very very classy and I wanted to compliment you on that, but also ask you, how do you get those pictures like that? And how do you get that white background? It just looks amazing to me. Yeah. I, I, or is this a secret? A... <laughs> <laughs> it's no. a secret. So I, I have a fine arts bachelor's degree. Um, so I went to Ottawa U and, uh, yeah. I, you know, I took a lot of photography classes and, and, painting and drawing and, and sculpture. So I have, I have this background that I haven't used for years and, and fly tying kind of gave me that avenue to uh, pull out the old DSLR and, 
and uh, in Lightbox and, and in Lightroom and Photoshop and, and just be able to play with, uh, with, with the flags that I tie. Wow. Yeah. I really well, enjoy it. It's the, the process of the, the, the process of, of taking the picture and editing them and thinking about what kind of theme I want to give it. it, it it's almost as fun as, as tying the fly itself. That really, is really, really cool. Good. I don't hear that a lot. And I, I know that, that some, some of you serious tires that are sponsored and spending all that time do spend a lot of time with, with the picks because I think the average person out there is just using their iPhone or their Android and they're just, you know, uh, maybe shining a light on it. But when you start moving that light around, hitting different spots, um, different angles, it really allows you to get creative. Is is that kind of complete the circle for you and of the whole creative process? It does. It does. It brings, um, it, uh, it, it brings the presentation to another level, right? Like I, you, you look on Instagram and you see these, uh, these flies and you know, it's a great fly, you know, like it's so well tied, everything is perfect. And it's mm-hmm. not even like, there's nothing edited in it. Like there's no, nobody enhanced the contrast or the colors or anything like that and you know it's a great fly and you're like if i could only take that fly and put it in my my light box and yeah. just shine the right light on it uh take the picture and and you know just tune it a little bit it would look so good any uh, any specific dsr you're using or uh what like what brand of camera is there a specific lens i'm always curious about that stuff because i think a lot of people don't the the macro photography thing is pretty specialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the camera itself, like the body of my camera, is just, you know, it's a fifteen year old camera that I've taken on like climbing trips and ski touring trips. It got beat up, and and it's not mm-hmm. like the body itself is not a big thing. You know, it it takes great pictures. It's all about the light. Yeah. So, so how many lights you got in your light box and where you shine them. So I got a lot of. A lot of my lights are flexible, so they're like on a flexible neck, and I can, I can look through the camera and then move the lights around until hmm. you know that flash is just perfect, or like the peacock is is showing just right. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other thing is the lens. If uh, if anybody's getting into this kind of thing, uh, save your money for the lens. Just get a good macro, right. yeah. hundred millimeter true macro lens, and it makes a huge difference. And what about tripod? Or mount? How are you mounting that camera? Or how are you are you are you just hand holding it? I have. I'm lucky enough that I have my a fly tying room. It's it's a fully set up tying room, and on one side there's a whole bench that's dedicated to uh, to, to take pictures and and, wow. and the computer and all that kind of stuff. So it's um yeah, it's on a desk and it's a tiny little light box, but it's uh, the phone the the camera is on a tripod. I'm not everything gonna... is there permanently. It's it's just set up so that I can just up, up, up. I, I oh so I take I take uh I take a pin like a like those balanced leech pins. Yep. And then I epoxy or or UV the fly to a pin. Oh. And I uh, I stick it into uh, the light box. I, it's my light box is all foam, right? Uh, like three millimeter foam, and then it's all white, and then. Uh, and I take a picture, and I just uh, erase that pen in Photoshop. Wow. You go to a lot of trouble to do this. So it's not like you're just tying a fly and go, hey, I'm going to post this right away. I mean, how, how long does this process normally take for you to to get to your happy place with a pick? It's pretty time-consuming. <laughs> you're killing me, man. Like, I got some serious envy going on here. I'm sitting in my small tying room, and I'm picturing you with this little area where you have kind of a photography area. I'm just like, man, no wonder these guys. That's a lot of work, man. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's uh, it's a big process. It takes, I don't know, from the time you take the picture to the time you're ready to post it, it's probably a three-hour kind of job. Have have your flies been featured in any magazines yet? Because I know they will be mm. if they haven't. They yeah, I've been in Fly Fusion yep. uh, last year. Uh, I just wrote another article for yeah, Fly Fusion for the summer uh, issue. Nice. Um, so yeah, keep an we'll, eye out. We'll look again. for that. The last time I flipped through 
um, an episode of Fly Fusion. That is my my go-to, by the way. But I uh, it was funny because I went through and I read all the articles, and I think I've had every author on this show, and I'm like, this is like an index of my catalog. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that. So now we can add you to that list. We've got Fr- <laughs> Frank Broussard on the line with FB Fly Tying. Look him up on on Instagram. Check out some of the things he's doing. This man is talented, and I cannot believe how short of a time you've been doing this so they're only going to get better i just that that boggles my mind do you have a throwaway pile or are you kind of that guy that just sits there until you get it right mm, i do have a i do have a big mason jar like a huge mason jar full of flies that i'm probably never going to fish but uh yeah. the the uh I don't really throw much away. I got yeah. I a few boxes here where I keep filling them up. and But, yeah, I keep going back to the same patterns when it's time to get on the river. I'll always put uh, a few kind of, uh, you know, wacky wacky flies that I've that I've tied and hoping that I, I, I put them out there. But uh, I seem to always go back to the same few patterns. They just, they just work. Um, mm. And they take five minutes to tie, and if I get hung up on something, I'm not afraid to break the tippet and yeah. and just tie another one on. That's just point about it. So yeah, it's... yeah, I feel that. I I tell you one thing that I, I I I sometimes I look in my my you know sometimes I put them on a cork before I put them in a fly box or whatever, and I look at them and I go, oh man, I'm not happy with that one. The next one's better, and it's like finding that consistency and kind of like, you know. How do you decide what to tie? I'm really curious about that because I sit down and I screenshot, like I'll screenshot whatever you're doing and I'll go, oh man, I got to try this. I got to try that. But then I sit down to the bench and sometimes I get a little overwhelmed because there's about 10 patterns I want to try. None of them are similar and I just can't commit. But (laughs) that's my struggle probably. I'm sure it's not everybody's, but how do you pick what you're going to tie? Uh, most of I have this big list of saved posts from different tires that I really you know, look up to on on Instagram, and I'll, mm-hmm. I see something that they tie, and I'm like, wow, this is incredible! I'll just quickly save it. Um, so there's probably you know, a couple hundred different flies in there that uh, that are you know ready for. Um, how can I say that? They just couple of hundred flies in there that are just ready to trigger um yeah creativity you know pregnant with possibilities that's right it's a big (laughs) bucket it's a big bucket of choice that i can just pick out of yeah um so i keep going back to that and and uh, and i'll pick one i'll just say this is the one for tonight and and uh, that's the one i get to so talk to me who inspires you like so when you're screenshotting flies as somebody that you know, I'm sure a lot of people are screenshotting your stuff. Um, who do you look up to? Whose whose patterns are you like? Wow, this this person's doing some amazing things. Yeah, there's a few guys lately. I've, I've done the uh, like a series of of, uh, of flies, um, you know, a few weeks ago, and I, I tried to like showcase uh, these six guys that are you know really that I really look up to and then I think they're doing an amazing job. They're not just like, you know, just tying, um, regular patterns. They're, they're creating new patterns. They're, they're playing with different materials and, mm-hmm. and the presentation, they're just their presentation, um, how they, they post stuff is just outstanding. Um, so there's this guy from Sweden, his name is James Lund. Um, I think it's like, uh, ocean in a way is, is, uh, is his uh, Instagram name there. He's just, that guy is just crazy. (laughs) Um, He puts out dry flies after dry flies and he uses a lot of, uh, a lot of the European guys, a lot of Swedish guys use a lot of CDC and and, Mm -hmm. uh, deer hair. And it's like half messy, half really organized. Mm. Um, And I tied a few of his patterns and I fished them and they don't just look great. They're like amazing on the water. Yeah. Um, they stay where they're supposed to stay and the fish eat them. And it's that's wow. about everything a fly can, should be doing. I'll have to look yeah. him up. I, I'm not familiar. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? And, and throw some other names out. Because, because um, this is where we can Andrea, learn too. 
sure. Andreas Anderson, um, he's uh, another Swedish guy. He ties uh, big, big streamers. Um, he created a whole bunch of, of different streamers that drunken, uh, not drunken, so the, the Sid, Sid pattern is one with that 26 degree bend um, head. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, you'll strip it and it will just dive and then it takes a twist at the end of that dive. Um, it hmm. just mimics this, you know, injured or distressed bait fish and you know, the bigger bull trouts and bigger rainbows or browns. They'll just go right for that, right? Hmm. Uh, there's a guy in Florida. His name's Lucas Utrera. Yeah, I follow um, him. He's got some this, good stuff. Right? Like, yeah. how can you? This guy's just yeah, unbelievable. Like, he, he's got he's got the uh, graphic design background. Yeah, I know he works for uh, for an ad firm. Um, obviously, he's he knows you know he plays a lot with contrast and textures and his flies. He's not a he doesn't fish much. Um, he's more of a tire, mm. uh, but his flies are just eye candy. Um, yeah, I, I he had a a big article in uh, Fly Tying Magazine just uh, maybe last month or month before, and uh, right. just looking at he's got some real creative stuff like um you know like the indicator is attached to the fly and I'm looking at it going like that's genius, the you parasol, know parasol yeah yeah and just the way he did it uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I could see I could see him being an influence of yours, if that makes sense. Because I I, I got to admit, when I looked at your patterns, I thought of him a little bit. I don't know why, but uh, I, I sorry, go ahead. I I really like the way he presents stuff, like the the you know the way that he fought, photographs his his flies, the, the attention that he puts to detail. Um, mm-hmm. It's everything's super polished. It's uh, yeah, it's very professional. But again, he's got a graphic design background, yeah. and, and I'm he's, sure that shows. Through. He's a busy guy. I I reached out to him some time ago, but uh, hope hopefully one day get him on the show for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. there's so many amazing tires now, and and many of them you know we've never heard of. Um, so and it's I find it changing by the you know by the month almost when I start looking at some of these patterns and. Um, it's like people seem to get focused on on certain patterns, get really good at them, and then you'll see uh, when you tie and and you look at what you've tied, or let's say you give some flies to a buddy, is it really easy for you to identify? Like, oh yeah, I tied that. No, I tied that. Um, yeah, to a, to a certain degree. Um... But again, the flies I tie, the flies I tie that that, that I post on Instagram, they're, they're, you know, they're as good as I can tie them. Like, is it mm-hmm. like the flies that I fish with? They don't look like that. Um, yeah, I get it. Uh, yeah, it's a, so um, the flies I give to buddies are usually they're well tied flies. Like they will yeah. not fall apart. They don't rotate on the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I hate portions that. Portions are usually really good, but. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're not the Instagram fly for sure. Um, There's, Instagram flies take they take a long time to tie and and photograph. Apparently, I love the way you verbalize that. Like, uh, I know exactly what you mean. When you say rotate on the hook, there's two things about fly tying that will drive me nuts, and that's a messy eye and a rotating body. Like, if it's just mm. if it's not down firm, I just I just. I either have to start again because sometimes when I'm trying to do extended bodies, do you ever find Frank? It's like, man, this just doesn't want to grab. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's when you put the dab of crazy glue on. You put your right. head down. You put a dab of crazy glue, and then you tie your fly on it. And 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 that's also how you stop the rotation from working. Apparently, <laughs> you made me laugh. Exactly. You said, I've <laughs> I've done the same thing with Zappa Gap. I dumped the whole thing of Zappa Gap on my lap, on my table on my wife's table upstairs let's not let's not talk about it but um it's basically it was stuck my pants were stuck to my leg it was just like oh my god what am i gonna do here but um that's one thing using some of these glues you've got to be careful but that's the thing i like about the uv stuff because you know it doesn't harden until you want it to right exactly yeah you wipe it off if it's if Mm. you make a spill you just wipe it off it's done yeah are you doing a lot of these segmented body flies, the latest kind of trends I'm seeing, where it's basically the ribbing and then you kind of build the bond or build the UV kind of up on the actual division of the rib so the segmentation is more exaggerated? I, I, those look pretty slick to me. 
Sounds like you're you're talking about Wes Benny. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Wes, and there's a few others, but no, Wes is definitely he's on that train for sure. And I've he's been an inspiration for me uh, watching some of his patterns. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you hit it on the head. <laughs> there's a couple, uh, uh, couple of nerds talking about fly tying here. <laughs> like probably nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. But uh, I know a lot of people do, and. Uh, I'm just I'm grateful you want to come on here and talk about it because uh, I don't get I don't get that much of a chance to talk tying. I talk fishing more than I talk tying, and I don't know what it is about the tying. I can't see doing one without the other. But I I know a lot of buddies that fish and they they haven't even tried tying. You know, it's like what would you say to somebody that's like, okay, I don't have the patience to do this, or I just like fishing. But speak to speak to what the tying brings to the fishing kind of experience. Yeah, you don't you don't have to tie you know complicated flies, right? You can tie you tie a hair's ear. It's the easiest fly. It can be as messy as you want. It will be messy no matter what after you catch the first fish on it. Um, and there's nothing like catching a fish on a fly you tie. Like you throw it out there and you fool that fish with something that you've tied the day before. That, I think that's pretty mm. that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you tie a lot before you go on trips or do you just kind of find that you, you, you get your tying in over the winter for those trips? Yeah. So I spend a lot of like the whole winter, I tie almost every day and uh, I all fill up boxes after boxes. I just have these like plain old boxes, like you know, little cubby things. It's, I just throw them in there, mm-hmm. but I always end up, if I have a big trip, like if I'll go, you know, to a, I like to go to remote lakes, uh, especially early in the spring. And uh, no matter how much I plan and and uh, try to fill up the box up, the night before I'll be tying, you know, something else just to bring over there. Or or if you go steelheading, you'll be I'll be tying flies for three three days straight before <laughs> before going. Even though I still have you know a whole bunch of hobos sticking around from last year. I I used yeah. to like to ask buy or tie. Is there a fly that you're going, I don't, I'm going fishing tomorrow. I just can't be bothered to do this. Is there a fly that you will buy? I will not buy flies. Yeah, <laughs> that's honest. I will not buy flies. I, uh, I don't know. I bought flies the first year and, uh, you know, I would order them online. They would come in a little box and, uh, a lot of them would fall apart and, and there was no, it was like this disposable thing that I had no attachment to. And, hmm. and, uh, yeah, since I've been, since I've started tying, they're just these, uh, they're part of yourself. You know, you, yeah. you put a lot of time and effort and yeah. into them and, uh, I get it. quality time and they're all part of you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you big in the, uh, one-offs or is that just kind of not something you do? I'm huge into one-offs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really big in, I have this, pile of materials on top of the desk yeah um like i have like this, this shelf above my desk there where i threw all of the you know you got that two inch piece of whatever that uh, and you're done tying and i'll throw it in the pile and i'm a big fan of once in a while just yeah. uh going through that pile and tying something totally uh-huh. random. i and, i uh, i get that i do the same thing I, I almost look at it like a challenge. Like I have that waste, waste basket that attaches to my Renzetti, so it, it catches everything. And I clean it out probably not as often as I should, but I look in there and go, oh, there's some nice flash. Ooh, there's a, a long piece of wire. What can we do with this? <laughs> right? like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, you know, almost kind of freeing not to have to worry about, you know, proportions and oh, it's got to be this brown and it's got to be these kind of rubber legs or whatever. And, yeah. And you just pick up a few things and you just, you know, freestyle it. I, I and and then once in a while, it's, I call it like the holy grail. You'll come up with something, you'll do it just a little bit different, and then you use it, and it's lights out. It, and, and it doesn't happen all the time, but um, when it does, I think that gives you a huge leg up on the water because it's like nobody else is fishing this. If you're fishing a heavily pressured stretch of water, which I know probably isn't the case a lot of times where you're at, but um, if you're on a you know, a, a better known system and everyone's fishing the same fly. I just think that just that, you know, slightly different color variation or materials can really be a difference maker. Uh, yeah, exactly. I have this one year. That's funny. You're mentioning that because about two years ago, I, I had, like I had this big way oversized gold bead and I found, you know, this piece of stretch tubing, it's just golden stretch tubing 
a golden bead, a wrap of uh, CDC just under the bead there, and that's it. It's like this golden colored, heavy, heavy nymph. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, if, if, if there's any kind of heavy flow in the uh, in, in a river, that's the first thing I'll throw in. It's kind of like a Pergon type okay. fly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just heavy fly goes right to the bottom. Yeah. It, it looks like nothing else in the river, but it catches fish. Yeah. And it came from the, the refuse pile on top of the desk. So I love it. Good stuff. Um, let's take it back to the water for a little bit. I, I just, um, before we let you go, I want to dig into kind of your perfect day. So if, if you're out there on a day off with a buddy or on your own, whatever it looks like, walk us through, paint us a picture, um, your ideal day on a stream or river. What does it look like? So I, I fish on my own. Most of the time I'm on my own. Um, I like, I like to float down long stretches of water so most of the time i would you know drive my truck out there i would have a quad in the back and and uh, either my pack raft or or uh, a kick boat on top and um, mm-hmm. i would go and drop off my quad at one end uh, come oh, back okay get my uh, my boat down to the river and then float for whatever five to eight kilometers um then you get to the other end, you jump on the quad, you come back, and hopefully you caught a, a few fish in the meantime. That's a great idea. I like it. Because um, let's face it, I know where I'm at, it takes two vehicles, right? And it's uh, it's always a setup time. You got to drop one vehicle at the top and then, or sorry, at the bottom, and then go all the way to the top, stretch, and, and, and drift it. How, how many, what's your comfort zone, whether we're talking miles or kilometers? Like, it's easy to bite off too much i find a lot of times on the rivers and streams but um you know like are you looking at okay this is like a three or four kilometer stretch this is probably enough or is it like how, how does that yeah. work it, it depends a lot on the rivers right it depends on on how much flow you have in there how many holes you're going to fish on the way mm. do a lot of you know online research and and looking at, at the, the streams before i go and figuring out you know there's like 12 bands in here so i know i'm going to stop at least 12 times and spend 10 minutes at each one of them so it's x amount of time and, oh, okay but usually usually i'm you know between five and eight kilometers is usually what i go for um there's always a time strength at the end of the day where there where you want to make sure you get back home in time because again i'm on my own um so after a while i just cut it off and then just float all the way to the end if uh if i see that that's what i need to do right um, but yeah eight five to eight kilometers for this area here with the amount of flow we have is usually what they can bite in one day is there uh something cold to drink or warm to drink at the end of that trip i am terrible at remembering to bring beer so <laughs> i i've been i've been you know making a lot of friends here that uh, are really good at doing that um, you think about bringing the, uh, you know, the salty snacks and the beers, uh, for yep. the end of the day. And, uh, those are the guys I usually, uh, tend to bring out for, uh, for a float. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always nice at the end of the day for sure. Yeah. Good stuff. Is there anything about the fly fishing world or space that, uh, kind of irks you, kind of makes you go, man, we need to do this better. Or how are we doing in that department in your mind? So I think, you know, the online community is really good. There's a lot of support out there. There's, uh, you know, like you can get, I definitely got a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's a double-edged sword. There also, there's, um, like what I've realized here, like you said earlier, it, 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 there's not much pressure here. The streams are small. Um fish are, are few in between. Um, you, you need to know where to go. The access is really hard. So you don't see, you barely see anybody on, on the streams around here. Um, but the lakes are stocked. Um, they grow fairly decent sized fish. Um, and, and what I've seen in the past a few years is that uh, you'll get, uh, you'll get somebody, you know, inviting somebody else here or mentioning something online about, one of our lakes, uh, local lakes, and, and the scenery is super nice. It's you know, big mountains, big snow-capped mountains in the back 
brown and right. big brook trout or big rainbows. And as soon as the word comes out, those lakes get get decimated. Yeah, um, there's uh, it doesn't take long. You know, they they, they produce big fish, but they don't. They, they they're very fragile. Um, mm-hmm. And if and if you you keep them, if you don't put them back out or back in the water, um, it it disappears. So the population gets decimated pretty quickly. And that's what's yeah. been happening here in the last few years. It's uh, Hmm. No. Yeah. You've got some beautiful, beautiful still waters too, like like just that aqua blue green. Um I mean, is there a lot of glacial kind of uh colored uh waters in, in your neck of the woods? Everything everything around here is glacier fed. We're uh, about 20, 25 kilometers from the mountains, so everything that uh hmm. feeds the rivers uh and the lakes is straight out of glaciers. Nice. Um, so the waters are fairly poor. It's uh, you know, you got you get big bugs in there. They're all stoneflies. They're big caddises. There's no, mm-hmm. that's about it. There's no, uh, there's, there's not much slime or anything like that. Everything is right. pretty poor in terms of ecosystem. But uh, but it's the scenery is just gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, do you tie um, for customers at all? Um, I'd be ris- remiss if I didn't ask that. Like, so if if somebody wants to get a hold of your patterns, is that something you do, or do you just kind of tie, uh, you know, for the pro team uh, companies you work with? No, I don't. Uh, I, I just I tie for myself. Um, I don't give any flies to the pro team. I just tag their materials, use their materials, and tag them in there. Yeah. Um, I tie for friends. If uh, a friend call me up and say, I need so much of this, can you help me out? I'll do mm-hmm. it for sure. But I don't, uh, at this point anyways, I don't feel like I I need or want to, uh, to, yeah. to tie commercially. It's, yeah. uh, I think it would take a lot out of the, uh, out of the just sheer pleasure of, of tying. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, Frank, um, if we want to follow along on Instagram, um, where do we find you and, and, and see what you're up to at the Vice? And on the water. Frank.brissard. Frank.brissard. FB Fly Tying. Frank, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I've learned a lot. I, I love talking tying, and, and I appreciate you sharing some time with us. Yeah, man. I really appreciate what you're doing, too. It's uh, listen to your podcast all the time, and it's uh, guests awesome. you're bringing in. I have a lot to say, and, and I get a lot from that. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, too. So Well, thank job. you. I appreciate it. Uh, Frank Broussard, he is the uh, Golf Pro Team, A-Rex Pro Team, Techstream Pro Team, Gas Bay Fly Company Pro Staff, and Chinook Wind Outfitters Pro Staff. Uh, look him up at FB Fly Tying. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.